0: All right, y'all, we have a fantastic episode today if you are a truth seeker. If you are are looking for truth, looking for answers, you have come to the right episode. We are going to get you questioning. We are going to get you thinking about a perspective that you likely haven't heard before you have turned into, tuned into this podcast. Uh, I want to make a few statements. The past two episodes have been, is Jesus coming back? Uh, and I posted the episodes from Christian Anarchy today. Um I'm here to defend the full preterist perspective. But not only that, I want to help begin you guys on the journey that I was faced with when I first uh heard this perspective. And today I'm not going into the very detailed matters of it, but I am going to the scriptures to show the time frame of when the second coming was supposed to happen. And we also have a question unrelated to this topic, but still a very excellent question from a friend of mine that I am going to answer uh, on this episode. So it's a great episode, guys. Stay tuned and stay open-minded. We are going to do several part series on this, uh, discussing the matter in detail. It's going to be the most detailed episode I've ever done, which is not saying much. Uh, but with that, we will begin. I have a bunch, a whole series of, of Bible verses on my computer right now that I'm going to read to you subsequently to show a time frame. And I'm planning to go through this quickly just to get you guys open to the idea. And if you want more detailed information, check out Don Preston, uh, who is a pastor who's a full preterist. You can check out Sean McCraney on Heart of the Matter. He has a lot of great stuff on there. And read Glenn Hill's book, uh, Christianity's Great Dilemma, which I'm reading right now. It's a fantastic, fantastic book. Uh, so Matthew twenty four forty four. So you, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Revelation twenty two twenty. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen, come Lord Jesus. Matthew 24, 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Revelation 22, 12, look, I am coming soon. My, wor- my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. First Peter 4, 7, and this one's important. Listen to this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. That one is extensively important. And we have more important verses coming up in just a second. But you can see the constant drawing line here of of consistency about when the second coming is going to happen. And most, if not all, of these books were written before 70 A.D. I know Revelation is claimed to have been written in, uh, 90 AD and a future episode we'll, will uh, discuss on why it was probably written before 70 AD. Uh, but that's unrelated. Don't email me about it yet. Cause we'll get to it. Um, the end of all things is near. This is what Peter is saying is 2000 years in the future in our present day. Near. Is it near J- just by logical standards, is I guess you could say that uh, one day is a thousand years in the eye of God, or maybe it, it, it's the opposite. Maybe I'm going to get confused. I don't have it pulled up. Uh, but then it certainly wouldn't be coming soon. And wouldn't that be God tricking us in a way, deluding us? And we'll see why I say that in just a second. We're going to read some more. Revelation I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, remember what Revelation 1 says at the very end. And this is going off of memory. It says, I testify things to the churches of the things that must soon come to pass. That's the generalization of it. Again, don't have it pulled up. Soon is not 2,000 years in the future. And it is obvious that the apostles were preparing the generation at that time, the Christians in Jerusalem, in Israel, that were about to face incoming judgment in 70, AD. It was obvious that they were preparing them for a quick and imminent return and judgment by the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation three eleven, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. Acts one ten through eleven. They were looking inherently up in the sky as he was going. Then suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This is the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven. Will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 1 John 2, 28, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Matthew 7, 15, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are vicious wolves. 2 Peter 3, 8, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. That's uh, the verse that I was referring to. I forgot that it was further down my list of verses. Uh Philippians one six, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is Philippians one-six. And finally, Ephesians 4:30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of. Of redemption. And a lot of these verses don't have any modern day application to what I am saying to you. However, it does show the emphasis, the absolute emphasis on what the apostles were saying to them then, to the people in the first century, that the end of all things is near. Now, what does the end of all things mean? We'll get into that into the future episodes. Today, we're just setting up a time frame. Here's the most important verse. Matthew 16, 28. Truly I say to you, these are the words of Christ. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see, until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. If Christ did not return in the first century, he was lying. The skeptics, the atheists, use this against the brethren of Christ. Because we claim a future return, and if he has not returned yet, then they might be right. They might be right. And that, my friends, is a dilemma for Christianity. We will get deeper in detail in this in the next episode of Common Sense Christianity. So the uh, the question that I was uh, asked had to do with uh, James. I have a, a friend that's in my fourth period and is also president of, uh, I believe, speech on, the, on my debate team. Um, and she's a very, very smart person when she wants to be kind of like me. And she asked me, uh, do you believe faith without works is dead? And while I I knew there was context to the Bible verse, but I'm really bad at memorizing Bible pa- passages, so I, I gave my answer, and I wanted to answer it again, and it, this time in more detail. So I have James, uh, two fourteen, uh, pulled up, and it says. Continuing on to explain the proper context of this verse. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. I want to read that again. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. It continues on in verse 19. was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, So faith apart from works is dead. the context of it is, is that if you have faith, the works of love, of Christ, of humility, all the others, the fruits of the spirit, as Paul would refer to, are intertwined. And cannot be separated. This is why verse 26 is so important. To understand the general context. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead. So also faith apart from works is dead. The question is not do I believe that faith without works is dead. Can I have faith without works? And the answer is no according to what James is saying. It is no. And what are those works? And it does not mean that you do not struggle. We always struggle in our flesh. And it is not a works in terms of a church establishment and man-regulated works. And this is my personal opinion based on Scripture. The works of the two greatest commandments, love God and love others. And with that, we will see you here Sunday here on Common Sense Christianity.